Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Thank you for a chance to come to worship you. May you be in the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, that they be pleasing to you. And by your spirit, guide the message that each of us hear this day. That it can be what we are needing to hear as we come as your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So it was a couple years ago, and uh, I was doing premarital counseling with a couple, and this is probably about five years ago, and um, we got to the part where we talked about our faith and what traditions they came from, because when you're talking to two people getting married, sometimes they talk to each other, and sometimes, or sometimes they're from the same denomination, same tradition of Christianity growing up, and sometimes they're not. And so I was talking to this couple, and I, um, I said to them, I said, so, you know, what about church, your faith, all of this? And she looked at me, and I love when couples do this, because <laughs> you ever put someone else right in the middle of your argument? <laughs> she looked at me, and she goes, I get so frustrated that he doesn't come to church with me. And he goes, but I can experience God in a deer stand. <laughs> What'd you say? This is, and that's exactly what I said. This is true. And I'm like, <gasps> and I, I'm sitting here going, David, come back. <laughs> because what I realized as we were talking as I said, you know, I, I have heard that so many times. I can experience God on the golf course, in a deer stand, all of these different things. And I looked at him and I said, but the thing about it is, is I, you know, for me it would be my sewing machine. When I finally get my craft room put back together. Or at the mixer when I'm making cookies or a cake. Or, you know, at the table saw when I'm building shelves or... You know, I, I experience God when I'm creating things. And I said, but one thing I've learned is that when I'm in that sort of thing, like David was talking about biking and, and yoga and all of this, it connects me with God, but I said it doesn't challenge me. See, we have a scripture today where Jesus goes into the wilderness and I don't know about you, but I've always been that person who looks at the temptations, you know, what it was that Jesus was tempted. Turn, you're hungry, turn these breads to stone. You're worried about the future and what's coming. Then just tell, throw yourself down and prove, make God prove that you'll be taken care of. You're, you want, you're, you're, you're making yourself important. You know you have a big job to do. I can give you the kingdoms of the world. And we always, I always have focused on that. And all of a sudden today, I, I got to tell you, I had my whole sermon done, and this morning I'm getting ready, and I went, oh my gosh, why did Jesus even go into the wilderness in the first place? 
came and told Kurt, I'm like, the whole sermon changed this morning. And he was like, oh boy. Why did Jesus go into the wilderness? Anyone know? Because he was there. Isn't that what we all experience in life? In psychology, there's a um, branch of teaching of learning, it's by Dr. Young, where he starts to talk about this part of ourselves that's the shadow self. Any of you ever heard of the shadow self? It's great fun. The shadow self is that part of ourselves that we don't want to admit we have, right? My shadow self, so I'm confessing here, is that I go through checkout and think, it's only a dollar for a candy bar. I could just throw that in my purse. Nobody would know. Right? Somebody would know. I would know. God would know. But there's that part of ourselves that, that we don't always like to admit that we have. Where, where we sit there and we, we bemoan. Why did this happen to me? Or we try to figure out how we can be in power and how we can influence people and make people do what we want them to do. By the way, become a parent. You'll learn about that side of your shadow self. <sighs> I almost think that we have the wilderness story to remind us that even, that even Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, had to look at his humanness and what he was struggling with was dealing with, and what he knew as he came and worshipped and shared and taught and led people, that he had this part of himself that he would always struggle with. Because we can't forget that Jesus was not just fully God, but also fully human. And so we come and we worship because when we come and we worship, the the prayer, the hope, the best worship is that this is a safe place for us to admit, to come before God who, who loves us, who's full of grace, and who, who created us and knows before we even utter the words what we're struggling with. You know? I don't have to tell God that that I really want that candy bar and I don't really want to pay for it. I don't, I don't have to, when I sit down and I say, God, I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that this has happened or this or, or that I want that. You know, think about it. The temptations that Jesus went through were having the the necessities provided, food. How many of us worry about it? Just so you know, there's bunkers that you can purchase in case an atomic bomb happens. Now, personally, I don't want to be here after an atomic bomb happens, but people will spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to, 
have provided for them the basic necessities in case of catastrophe. We take that sometimes in a smaller way. What are we going to eat? Are we going to have the right clothes to wear? Just so you know, this was outfit number three. <laughs> you know, do I look right? Jared approved it. Are we going to look right? Are we going to... Is our house the way we want it to be so others will be impressed? You know how many people go in debt to have the best house possible? It's called house poor. Are we going to, are we going to still trust God when bad things happen? <clears throat> if I had a dollar for, or even a quarter for every time somebody said, well, why does God let bad things happen? I would be extremely, with every other pastor, we'd have a lot more money than we already do. You know? The, the, struggle of, the struggle of being in a world where it's not always extremely safe and, and cancer, tornadoes, natural disasters, <clears throat> car accidents, plane accidents, war, bullying, racism. We have all of it, don't we? Where we're not we're not living into the world in the world yet that God wants for us. And then that final one, the hardest one that is that power Jesus is there and the devil says, if you want, I can give you power over everything here. How often do we want that? Power over everything. I want to be seen as important. That's what we bring to worship. That with all the rest of the good stuff that we have, all of the, the, the ways that we've helped people, the ways we've stood up against this stuff, and the ways we have, have done and loved and shared and lived into those spirit-given gifts of peace and joy and gentleness, the ways that we have gone into the world. You know, Going out and taking a bike ride and looking at the world and remembering it's a gift from God, man, that's, a, that's not always easy to do, is it? And so we come here and we're reminded. We're guided and we come and we say, I'm giving you all I am, God. We come with our struggles, we reconnect with our creator, and we look around at each other, and we realize we're not alone. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer of confession, and each one of us will have something to take to God, won't we? And then we'll pray the words of forgiveness and assurance, and, and each one of us will sit here remembering the gift of what God gives to us, which is knowing that in our humanness, our creator provides 
loves, encourages, and most of all, forgives. Reverend Adam Hamilton in his book, The Walk, shares how worship is the response of the created to the creator. It's remembering where we are in response to God, that God is God. Over us in love, in compassion, over us in in bringing about justice and, and looking at us and seeing all of who we are and saying, I still love you. And I'm going to give you everything I can possibly give you to help. To put you to the path you need to be on to guide you. I am who I am and I love you. And you're going to mess up Boy, and you're going to have wrong views. I am. I know that. And we'll spend our entire lifetime trying to figure out who God has called us to be, what we are to stand for, and what we are to not stand for, and how we are to live, and how we are to hold others accountable, and how we are to be. And at the end of the day, we come to this table. The one who went willingly to the wilderness said, God, I need help, I need guidance, I need you, will come to this table with us. And in coming, will remind us. Remind us of the sacrifice made for each of us. You see, when Jesus gathered with his disciples, he knew. He knew what he had done, how he had lived, who he had stood up against, and he knew what was coming. He knew it was coming for him. He knew it was coming for them. He knew who, who would betray him. He, he somehow knew all of it by the grace of God. And he knew that he could tell them, reassure them, promise them that the gift he was going to give, his sacrifice, was done in love.